Welcome to Strongest on the Field Radio, where we aim to educate youth athletes, sports coaches, strength coaches, and parents on sports performance. Very special, cool guest today. Um, his name is Bobby Smith. We had the opportunity to meet Bobby and listen to, listen to him at the Speed and Power Summit Juan and I went to not too long ago. We were first impressed with his energy, his enthusiasm to share his message, training the youth female athlete. Um, short story long, Bobby was a three-sport standout. He played football, basketball, track and field, and had tremendous success with the javelin. He went on to play Division One. Uh, track and field and was a all-american so uh he has been through it all he's had injury success and has faced a lot of adversity and we're very excited to get to talk to him about that um coach smith currently runs ripped sports performance and is a speaker at athletes acceleration bobby thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to sit down and, and, and educate us and answer some of our questions um First, first and foremost, can you share your journey and how that led you to become a coach and open up an athletes-only gym? Yeah, well, uh, thank you guys for, you know, asking me to speak. And, you know, I could see right from when we met that you guys were young, passionate, you know, coaches that want to make a difference. And that's what we're all in this field for. Uh, Like you said, you know, I was in high school. I had, you know, I played three sports and I really had, you know, success uh, all throughout, you know, growing up playing sports and if it wasn't for sports I never would have went to college like that was my role that made me a better student and made me realize it was during you know probably my freshman sophomore year I was like man I want to go to college what do I have to do academically to make sure I can get in and you know play at that level because I knew I could play at that level you know athletically it was the academics that was you know always an issue so from there I went on to went to Monmouth University, a small you know school locally, and played football there. And did you know participated in track and field? It was my sophomore year. I was starting running back. You know, got the ball out to the right, little sweep, and then boom, ACL done. Second game of the season. And all through high school, I never really had any injuries. You know, like most young male athletes, we feel like we're invincible. And then that first injury happens, and it really opens your eyes. And I remember I was probably got my surgery probably like a month in, and I walked out, and my roommates were like, what the hell? You look like the kicker right now. Like, I lost 20 pounds. I was down and out. And it was just like that just sparked, like, that drive in me, like, let's go. We need to make a change. You can't just be getting down and about, like, why me? And right from there, it was just – sparked my you know drive even more and if it wasn't for that early success that I had like in high school I was a national champ in the javelin you know and it was that success that I knew like I could still get back to that level I knew I can get back to that level so honestly if it wasn't for that early success you know that was the motivation and the drive to keep me going all through I had four surgeries in college wow yeah did you did you immediately know what type of coach you wanted? Because there there was probably maybe a sort of decision making. Do I want to be a sports coach? Do do I want to do physical therapy? Or like what kind of was the the so mindset? Right after when I first graduated, like I got my degree in special education, so I thought like I was going to be a football coach, you know, um, you know, and then just be a teacher. And then I was like, you know what? I really liked track and field. I really liked that coaching side. So I volunteered at my school and really saw the side of, you know, what you don't really see. And it's like, man, you really don't coach that much. It's a lot of administration, you know, a lot of behind the scenes. And I was like, you know what? I don't really want to be a track coach. And I always knew, like, I had a passion for, you know, physical preparation and being, you know, uh, know, a strength coach. And that's where I kind of, after that, Avenue, I was like, you know what, I'm really going to start pursuing being more of a strength coach because once I got my uh, special education degree and I got into the classroom, I was like, man, I can't stay in a classroom all day. (laughs) That just wasn't for me. And right from there, then I moved out to California, trained full time. I worked at a velocity in Irvine, California. I saw that. I grew up in uh, Santa Ana. Yeah. 
It was one of those, uh, you know, velocities that trained uh, combine players as well, too. So right from there, um, you know, I had that early exposure and learning, you know, those coaching styles. And the biggest thing I took from velocity was uh, the organization, like making sure setting up a, you know, setting up a training session. And that really helped me as a young coach learning that. Um, Then. From there, I was fortunate enough to win the 2008 Olympic trials. I went to the Olympic Training Center as a full-time athlete there in 2009, and that's where it just blew my mind because I was always a football player that threw the javelin. Like, I was just a straight football player. You know, I was that, that always stood out. And then I learned how to be a track and field athlete and learn how to run and move efficiently. And this was like, man, this is what I wish I learned in high school, yeah. wish I learned in college when I was a running back that didn't like to run because I didn't know how to run just like most kids, because they were never taught how to run. It's just, yeah, all right, go run. And you're like, no, there's so much more behind it. Yeah. So right there and then I knew, like, that's what I want to bring back to New Jersey. That's what I want to instill in young athletes is teach them how to move properly, instill these fundamental movement patterns so they can hopefully prevent injuries. Great. Bobby, so, you know, as a strength conditioning coach, you spent just about your whole day inside of the gym, you know, one class after the other, the other why do you keep doing what you do? Like, where does that fire come from? Yeah. Well, to be honest with you, I'm extremely fortunate where I just train high school, college, and professional athletes. So I don't deal with the, the house moms, and I don't deal with the adult population. Nothing wrong with that. It's just I know where I want to be. And my day, like, I just had a personal training client, and in the morning was a professional football player. But my day really doesn't start till like, 3 o'clock. Because that's what I have to wait till the kids get out of school. So then from there, from three to eight, it's nonstop. It's, you know, class after class after class. But I think that's where people lose um, or get out of this field is because they're there. You got to be there early mornings and you got to be there late night. And you can't burn the candle at both ends. It's just going to weigh on you. Ronnie and I were just uh, Ronnie and I were just talking about this, that at our core, probably all of us, we're just like, we're meatheads and we love to be in the gym and we right. love to see other people ha- get the same feeling that we do when we work out, which right. kind of helps out that we're all kind of sports freaks and like to work out anyway. Right. Uh, it's kind of cool. Um, what I wanted to ask you, what is the um, climate or environment back home uh, with training facilities in Southern California? It's a lot of sports. There's a lot of training facilities. What does that look like uh, on your end? Yeah, especially in this area, it's very industrial. So we definitely have a lot of, you know, quote unquote, sports performance gyms around us. And, you know, what we like, we lose people because they're uneducated and they feel like, oh, well, that's the same thing. And you're like, well, no, it's not. And we get the line, well, you're like 25 minutes away. And it's like, uh, yeah, I do understand that's really far. You know, I went to Australia to work with a coach, you know, so I do know how far <laughs> is. And it's just letting them know, like, educating them that we're here. Anyone could blow a whistle and, you know, make you tired. That doesn't take any science or education behind that. It's long-term athletic development and instilling these fundamental movement patterns and making sure, like, that's what people want right now. They want to just leave the gym puking, have their shirt off, and be like, oh, man, I just had a great session. And you're like, no, that's not what you want. And I tell my parents, that's not the place. That's not what we're looking for. I'm looking for to teach your son or daughter how to move properly, lift properly, and become a better athlete long term. We're not looking for short-term success. Yeah. When it comes to training the youth athlete, specifically the female athlete, I feel that no one is doing it better in America than you and Ripped Sports Performance out in New Jersey. You guys are setting the template that everyone should look at. And I've seen you speak two years in a row at the Speed and Power Summit here in Laverne, and and I'll tell you, you guys are crushing it. What what do you think about athletic development in the present? Yeah. As far as strength and conditioning. Well, I appreciate, you know, those words, but I think uh, we have it backwards in this country and we want to be sport specific and we want to get really specific with our sport. And then general athleticism is kind of at the top of the pyramid where we look at everywhere else in the country that doesn't have as many athletes as us in America. And they do general athleticism, becoming a better athlete. That's the big that's the end of the pyramid, the base, which it needs to be. 
It's like we get a softball girl in here and she does a rotational med ball toss and wants to put the ball through the wall and then she can't even skip or jump because she doesn't know what to do because she has no athletic background. She just knows softball because that's where it's like, oh, well, Tiger Woods, it worked for him at a young age. Let's see if we can do that with all our athletes, get them sport specific and get really good at one sport. And it's, we're doing it wrong. And I feel like they're starting to get a wave around that and change that. And parents are starting to realize, wow, my son and daughter needs to play multiple sports. We can't do the same exact movement patterns year round because my wife is a physical therapist and she sees athletes younger and younger each year because of that. Um, and it, and it, and it totally makes sense that we see that very, we're starting to see it even younger where athletes are specializing in sports. So you as an example, to playing multiple sports, football, basketball, and track, did that help or hinder your athletic development? I think this is important for people to hear. Right. No, I definitely feel like it helped tremendously because, you know, I always was playing football and then football season was over. Then I would go to basketball and it's a different energy system. So it always took me like, you know, that first probably month or six weeks. So I'll get into basketball shape and get my shot back and get everything going because I didn't touch basketball all football season. And then football season was over growing up or basketball season was over. Then I did baseball. And then it wasn't until later in college or high school that I did track and field because I was like, you know what? I want to get faster from football. It wasn't until my sophomore year where I was like, I really want to, be a football player so let me start getting faster and then next thing you know i pick up the javelin and start doing having success with that but yeah i feel like you need to play multiple sports definitely when uh I, i'm interested in, in your opinion on this when do you think kids should start yes yeah, start to specialize i would say probably junior or senior year in high school that's when it's like but you still like if you're gonna say oh i'm gonna play soccer well you should probably play another sport too as well you shouldn't just do soccer year-round i feel because then they're going to get to high or college and then they're going to get sick of it because of that then it's year-round and we see kids now we have kids that go to high levels and they quit and it's like why they're like it's it's not fun anymore and you're like what do you mean where's that passion where's that love that you had for that and it's like well you do everything to get there and then once you get there it's like then what yeah. You know, like the whole goal is let's get to college. I want to be, you know, a soccer player. I want to be a, a football player. And then you get there and it's like, wow, it's hard. I, yeah, I had, a, I had a little bit of that. Um, I somewhat of a similar story of, uh, at the younger ages, I took everything for granted cause you would win all the time and you're like, well, right. well this is not challenging. A long story short, quit kind of moved on. Um, but I wanted to go back to something that you said. Uh, I'm interested also in learning about the relationship between yours, your business and your wife's business and what yeah. maybe your opinion of how training facilities should work with maybe the pre prehab stuff, training, and uh, injury prevention type deal. Could you expand on how that relationship has helped? Yeah. And, uh, you know, when we were starting out probably like seven years ago, we knew – that we were always going to do something together. And like, we met with some, you know, uh, we met with some people and they're like, you know, the sports performance side is so seasonal, which it is like, we're rolling in the winter and summer and then fall and spring. It's like, we're holding on. So like, you need a general income the whole entire time. Like you need a steady income. That's why you need a health club. And I was like, I never want a health club. I never wanted to do that. So with my wife's business, she's the main leaseholder inside. So I pay my wife's business rent. So we're two separate entities and it's a straight feeder system. Like we had over around 300 athletes this winter, no matter how good my training is, someone's going to get hurt. It's just the nature of the beast. Someone's going to get hurt. So it's like, oh, well, I'll just go here for physical therapy. Boom. They get physical therapy. Then they come to us and it's just, you know, and it just like splits the income or splits the cost of owning a facility right in half. All right. Half the rent goes here, half the utilities. Boom. It's like, I don't understand why more facilities don't do that. It also probably helps that you guys are both at the same spot. So you're not away from each other, right? Well, yes. <laughs> no, like we do, we see each other, but we don't really see each other because she's in her office and then like she'll come out, but you know, I'm running around crazy the whole time in the gym. So. Yeah. Bobby, how do you manage that relationship, right? Because you're, for the most part, involved uh, with, with business. And right. How do you feel about balancing and separating that during those tough moments that, you know, the nature of business, you have ups and downs. How do you keep that 
separate from your personal relationship with your wife? It's uh, tough. Like you're married to your business. And that's what people that don't own their own business don't realize. Like you're married to it. It's, you know, a relationship. It's tough. It's hard. And you have to work at it. And there's definitely times where we don't want to bring it home, but we do because we're so passionate about helping people. And that's, it comes, it does affect the relationship, but we have a really good relationship where we know like, all right, let's turn it off. And let's, let's, you know, especially now with our two kids, we know like, all right, we should just leave it, you know, leave it at the gym and come home. And that's the tough part where it's like, even if I had a bad day or had something going on, like I just go into the house and my son's sitting there ready to wrestle with me. Yeah. It's fun. It's nice. It's a challenge. I I have a four year old also. And Oh, nice. Right now his uh, general physical preparedness consists of fighting and wrestling because that's what most of his interest is. Uh, So it's always imagine the same thing, see them progress through their own movement and, kind of selfishly tricking them to doing things so when yep. when the time comes i'm like yo you've been running fast your whole life you got it yeah. um kind of with going with the balance of things um none of us do this by ourselves could you maybe tell us about your own personal support team um and yeah. kind of who's in that support team in your tight circles that kind of help you get through your day yeah, definitely. I think uh, we're extremely fortunate, my wife and I, that my sister-in-law, so her sister lives in our back house and is our nanny. So she takes care of our boys, oh, which nice. is huge because having family raise your you know children just lets you know, like, all right, the boys are set throughout the day. Now I can just focus on my, you know, day. So that's huge right there. And, you know, my guys that have been with me for over almost two and a half years now, my employees, and it's like we're the team. We're a team in here. We come in. We go out through our day in the mornings and then say our class is at 3.30. Well, we meet at 3 o'clock, and we go throughout the day. All right, what do we have? What's the schedule? This is our training sessions. Let's go through each one. And that's huge. I feel like a lot of facilities don't do that, and not everyone is on the same page. And that's the one thing that we learned is how can we give the same ripped experience to everyone? So this winter we had, say, 300 athletes. Well, they only have one ripped. They only have one coach, and it's not always going to be me. So how can I make sure that each of my coaches are delivering the same message and delivering the same experience? Because that's where we want to make sure the kids keep coming back. Yeah. How do you, um, within your team, there's conflict with teams all the time. How do you guys manage that, and how do you problem solve to move forward? Um, I think it's just communication. You know, you got to talk it through and realize that, you know, it's a relationship just like any other. And the first thing is trust and trusting each other and knowing like you're going to have my back and then communication. And it's just talking it through. And it's like, all right, well, let's hash this out. All right. We had an issue. Let's hash it out. Let's hug it out. Boom. We're boys. Let's yeah. go. Something I found interesting in your presentation was how you – uh, you you under you created this idea that training the female athletes not quite the same as training the male population, and the female athlete is something special, something unique. Sometimes you're a therapist, sometimes you're a friend, sometimes you're a parent. What right. are some hats you wear around the gym when it comes to training the female athlete? Yeah, it's definitely like say for example, yesterday we had this one ba- girls basketball team that we've been training for about four years now, and they're one of the top in the state. And we just had their main competitor, another top team in the state, try out our session yesterday. So it was like you can cut the tension with a knife. How awkward it was, and I felt it. They felt it, and it was just. And I just pulled them aside and just said, "Ladies, you know, you know, our role and our passion is to and help as many athletes as possible." You are our girls. You have been with us for four years. We are always going to be loyal to you. So even though this team is in here, don't ever forget that you are our number one team and you have been with us through the start. And it's just set in that relationship. You just saw, like, their shoulders down and relax and realize that, wow, like, they care about us. And they really, like, I love coaching them. Like, they're one of my favorite groups to coach. And it's not only because they're the best team in the state. It's like that culture that they have at that team is why they're the best team in the, in the state is like they come in, they work. It's like they put their work hats on and like, I love that. It's just that, that passion that they have for the sport. And they realize they, what we do in here makes them better basketball players. 
And it's like, that's what's tough to get in other people's minds and other athletes' minds. Like, what we do in here, it's not just about getting bigger, stronger, faster. It's making you better at your sport. We're going to make sure that you're running faster, jumping higher, changing directions properly. So I feel like the different hats you have to wear is just kind of like reading and feeling the tension and feeling the environment and knowing, like, so girls come in for the first time, like, they're going to be kind of, you know, timid and awkward and realizing, like, I can't be in your face screaming at you, let's go. Like, I have to kind of build you up to get you to that point. And a lot of people, like a lot of girls, they come in the first couple sessions, you can see it in their face. Like, they're just like, this guy's scaring the shit out of me. (laughs) I can't be like that person all the time. So then it's like, I go up to them individually. They're doing something. All right, you're doing great. Keep those hips up. Keep working. We're going to get there. And it's like those little moments I feel that gets them to buy in. Yeah. What's crazy, what's going to be the greatest about those two teams, though, is that they're going to be accountable to each other. They don't see it now, but because it's so much more highly competitive, both of them are going to up their game, which looking back, once they hit college, they're like, yo, I've been under stress this whole time. Like, college might be easy now. Yeah. Um, so, so that's, you'd that's like you'd see like their training session was even different. Not yeah. Even because of the awkwardness, but they like oh they're running faster, they're moving, you know, because they're like damn, they're looking at me. Dude, you that know? must be exciting for like, you. Yeah, it's gonna make it, it's gonna make a good environment. That's cool. What are um, some mistakes that you made early on in your career, like business marketing wise, methodology or philosophy, and then kind of how has that shaped uh, maybe the message that you that you are currently speaking to? Yeah. Um, I think one mistake that we made early on was kind of like outsourcing our social media and outsourcing uh, our marketing. And like we're spending a lot of money in the beginning trying to get our name out there and they're just relaying the wrong message. Mm. Like they had like a a house mom on a BOSU ball doing curls. And we're like, what the fuck is this? We don't do that shit. Like, you know, like it was just (laughs) like, oh, delete that now. And like our kids are like. We know when you post messages and you have someone else post a message because two different, completely different messages. And then we're like, it was probably like six months when Adam and I looked at each other like, we don't need this. Like, we can do it ourselves. Yeah. And we spent a lot of money in the beginning, like getting everything looking nice and pretty or with the website and all that. And it was like, just do it yourself because you're going to, it's your message. And they know when you're authentic and they know when it's someone else just making it like trying to be you. Yeah. Bobby, can you talk to me about your daily morning routine? What are some things you have to get done to make sure that you have a good uh, good rest of the day? Yeah, I mean, um, I think it's always just start off with a good night's sleep, you know, it's, which is tough when you have kids because, like, last night my son hit me in the back of the head all night because he's sick. But um, just getting up, having solid breakfast, and, you know, definitely hitting up Starbucks always helps. What and do you get? What do you drink? What do you drink? What do you get? I go cold brew. Cobra Black. Damn. That's what I need. (laughs) That gets me going. So it's like I have two different kind of days where – so starting in May with our college kids come home, that's when like my grind season because the kids are in here at 630. So we're in here at 6, probably 545, making sure everything's set up, and we're meeting a half hour before each class. So – like during that May period to the end of middle of August, like that's that's when I'm in season. I always say because that's when I'm like, that's when I'm burning it at both ends, and you know you can't do that all year. So it's kind of like that's what I love about the sports performance side is when we know like all right winter and summer like that's or in season as coaches. So that's when it's like you know when you're in season, you're not hitting the weights as hard, you're not going out, you're making sure that you're getting you're sleeping on time and making sure everything's on point because I know how I have to be and I know how my mindset and body has to be to for me to coach and making sure like these little things are in place so I can perform at that level. How much um actual training do you do now? Are you training for anything? Uh, do you, uh... Not training for anything right now. I'm currently, like, I'm getting my master's in with kids. So, like, <laughs> if I get two good sessions in a week, I'm happy. Yeah. And since, uh, like, well, I know, like, I'm not burning as many calories. So, like, then my nutrition's even more on point because I know I'm not working out or training as much. So, something it has to give. And it's, like, that's where my nutrition has to be, like, cleaner. When do you, when you do train, what do you like to do? Uh, love Olympic lifts. I love just feeling like an athlete still. Yeah. So jumping, running, 
you know, lifting heavy when I can and the body feels good. <laughs> and then uh, making sure you get the, you know, the mobility and get those activation and making sure, like, you know, you're training full body. Yeah. What a um, – looking around other coaches, younger coaches being around the Speed and Power Summit, um, what, do you, what are some common mistakes you think young coaches are making right off the bat? Um, when I talk to, you know, young coaches, I feel like they don't plan everything out. So what I mean by that is, like, for us, we have four seasons. We have a fall, winter, spring, and summer. So before the season even starts, we have the whole program laid out, the whole 12 weeks, what we're going to be doing. Like, I can tell you what we're doing at week nine for our mechanics, for our day two. And it's breaking everything down to make it a system. And obviously, we go off script. Obviously, we change stuff throughout. But it's having that blueprint down and knowing what we're going to end with and that's how you can work backwards to get there and what I feel like when I talk to people they're like oh well, we just kind of write it up kind of by week by week or day by day and it's like how oh. do you know where you want to go yeah you know where you want to go what's how the, is that you know yeah what's the process of uh, in becoming a coach at your facility what does that look like so first thing is we hire directly through our internship program and our internship program starts in May when our college kids come back and it ends at the beginning of August. So it's a 12-week grind. And it's kind of, this is the way we're going to teach you. And it's like we hire right through that because you already went through and know our system. And it's our kids come up right at the end or like in the beginning of, you know, middle of July. And be like, yo, man, Pat's, man, you need to hire Pat. And like, yo, what's up with Seabass, man? Seabass is killing it. And it's like, all right, man. All right. So it's like my kids tell me who they like. And who they feel like, you know, especially the college kids, because the college kids have been through us. You know, a lot of them, most of them are returners. So they know, like, when someone comes in and it's not genuine, genuine and authentic and they're not saying the same message, they're like, that's not how we do it here. What are some other responsibilities or expectations? What's kind of the the progression that you put them through? Like, how much are they responsible for? Do they get to do they get to teach whole teams? How does that work? Yeah, so we give them as much responsibility as they can handle. So it takes the first six weeks where we're teaching you our system. So it's like we break it down, especially since we have the training for female DVD. It makes it even easier because it's like, all right, watch this section. All right, let's go over it. Any questions? How did we go through it? How did we break it down? All right, now you're going to create a warm-up. Come up with a warm-up with our system. All right, now take me through that warm-up. Teach me the warm-up. And then it's like right there, like you can see, which a lot of these young coaches come out and they you know the science and they know the anatomy, but they can't explain it. Or they get out there and they're defending their thesis on the hip hinge. And you're like, bro, three words, three words. You know? <laughs> and it's like they can't talk. And that's where my background's unique, whereas I was a teacher. So I learned right away, like I have to get up in front of the class and entertain them or I lost them. Yeah. And that's where these kids don't get that. What, what are some qualities you look for in coaches, especially considering that you're working with athletes? What, what, yeah. what, in your experience, leading coaches makes a great coach? I think the first thing is you had to have been an athlete. Like, if you want to train athletes, you have to know and experience what it goes through to be an athlete. So that's one of the things that we look for. And then, you know, you can just feel it. Like, is the, the conversation, you know, is it awkward or is it smooth and nice and easy? It's like you want to talk to this person because – at the end of the day, like, I need to like you. Like, we're going to stay in this office for, you know, remainder of the, you know, day. And it's like, if I don't like you, my kids aren't going to like you. Because that's why they keep coming. Because they know what they're going to get and what they're going to expect. So it's like, you have to make sure that, you know, that you're likable. And you can talk. And, like, my wife gets a lot of interns, too, through the physical therapy. And are just like, man, that guy's awkward as hell. Like, you can't even talk to anyone. And it's just, you just got to be authentic and genuine and real that's you know and like if you have your degree obviously that helps like you i want someone that has their degrees and is certified but we can help you because i can teach you my system i can teach you the x's and o's but those things about being genuine being a kind person can i trust you those are the things that we look for the intangibles those things you can't really learn in a classroom that's it yeah, people, the being a people person too, being able to relate and, and not get caught up in your own knowledge, you know, oh, I know everything, so I, right. you know, I have to listen to people. 
Um, one thing that Bobby really strikes us is your energy. You bring the juice every single time. I love you. Had the best intro of that summit, dude. <laughs> he had a slow clap for those who weren't there. He had a slow clap going before he yeah. and then he rushed through the doors and was bouncing off the walls, bringing in the energy. And I'll tell you what, it really closed the the weekend in a in a in a very fun way because the whole time, no disrespect to the other speakers, but. There was this monotone feel of it. There was very this lack of, uh, of energy, and every once in a while, we need that. No doubt. Yeah. How have you always had that style, that coaching voice, or did it develop over time? I mean, definitely developed. I was always a loud, obnoxious person, no doubt. But it, uh, it, you know, more comfortable, and the more knowledge that I got, the more you know, comfortable, and I could be me. And it probably was like year like two when I was just looking at Adam and I was like, man, I'm on a roll right now. And he's like, coach, you're killing it. And it was like, now I know the system. I know what I need to do. And that's where it's like, it's like when you're an athlete and you know what to expect and the game just slows down because you know what's going to happen. and You can react. And like now I'm reacting to sessions and not looking at my card and being like, oh, we got to do this next. We got to go there. And that's where like the young interns, they come in. They they're so stick to the card, which we want them to be. But you got to know it. You got to know it like the back of your hand. So you're not thinking you're reacting. And then once you see something, then you go in and say, all right, this is what I saw from the athletes. Boom, boom, boom. And just becomes with more confidence. And that's. Just like I've always been since day one, the, the gyms, the energy, everyone keeps saying, like, it's that's the culture that we have. And, you know, Adam did a great job of that as well, too. And it's like that's where we were made a great team is because we both were like that. How do you go coaching coaching your younger coaches about not trying to be you, right? Because they probably shadow you and they see the success you have. With right. Entity. How do you tell them, hey, it's okay not to be me? How do you do that? I think in the beginning, they all do that. They all kind of go into that because that's what they see and that's all they know and then it's kind of like all right now you've learned the system now you have to come and develop your learning style and it's because i want you to say get a b and c across so as long as you're saying a b and c i don't care how you deliver it you have to have your own learning and teaching style and in the beginning they don't know any better so they become me or try to imitate me but then they start to get more comfortable more relaxed and then they start to be more of themselves. And that takes time. That's when you, like, at the end, you know, like, all right, man, this intern's got it. This intern, you know, all right, you don't you don't want to be in the private sector. You want to go in the college? All right, let me see what I can do and help you out. Yeah. And it's like, you know, when you have a good one. I for sure tell people not to be me because I open my sessions with dad jokes. I just go yeah. straight silent, deliver dad joke. And then we move on. But what really happens and what you've talked about as you come become very comfortable in your shoes, in your presence, in your attitude, you can be your true self. And right off the bat, people are like, you know what? I'm not going to be resistant to this guy with tattoos and big hair and he's short and he's loud and he thinks he's whatever. Um, It it opens up for, for them to listen to the coaching. And then all of a sudden, everyone's moving better. And all you're saying is like two words that teach the movement. Hey, I want you to do this. Right. Right? And you're like, the move, the room is moving beautiful. Like you set the tone and it's like, I love like the slow clap, especially when I'm presenting is like, that brings me back to like when I was throwing. So, like, track and field, especially javelin, we're all pretty boys. Like, you want to hold attention <laughs> on you. So you get that slow clap, and it's like, all right, let's go. Like, sets that tone because, like, if you're not fired up, they're not going to get fired yeah. up. Yeah. And that's when you have or John Gordon calls those energy vampires that just suck all the energy out of them, out of you. And it's like, let's go. We have to get this movement and make them buy in more by relating it to their sport. Like, we're doing jumps. Go up for the header. Grab a rebound. Where if they can direct correlate that this, this yeah. is going to get me better at my sport, then they get that buy-in even more and gets them to realize now what we're doing for a purpose. How do you deal with uh, athletes that are resistant? Do you get that still or is it such a big group and the environment kind of speaks for itself or do you do certain no, stuff? No, get that. I mean what the first thing is we kind of weed them out through our assessment. So before each season we have a week where athletes can make sessions up that they missed and then we assess new athletes. And it's like right there and then you know where this athlete is not going to fit in. And, like, you still want them. It's like, yeah, you still want them to sign up, but they don't sign up because they know, like, this isn't for me. This isn't my fit. Yeah. You know? And it's just 
it, that's where it's like we didn't want them, so it's glad that they didn't sign up. But we always get that athlete that you want to smack in the back of the head, but we don't get many of those. Yeah. And it's just letting them know, like, you're messing up the session. Like, everyone else, you can't affect the session. I sometimes, well, I a lot of times do the reverse role, and I kind of ignore them and give the person next to them praise. I'm like, hey, yeah. man, it's not for everyone. And till the till the day that comes, and you're like, dude, I'm sick and tired of coach treating me like this. I'm going to show up. Um, right. It's it just everyone's personal style, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, we like to talk about kind of development and how we're currently making ourselves better. Is there any quote unquote weaknesses that you're like currently working on or uh, things that you're trying to improve on? Um, I think, you know, when I was just doing my master's program, we did a SWOT analysis. So strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And it's kind of like going into your weaknesses and seeing like, that's where it's kind of like looking yourself in the mirror and yeah. like, what are my weaknesses? And that's what's tough because you don't think that you have any weaknesses, but every, obviously everyone does. Yeah. And the best person to ask is your partner. Like I was like, you know, babe, what do you think my weaknesses are? And they know them right from the start. And it's like your employees, like, hey, man, what do you think I need to focus on? And what do you need to, I, to make this place better? So I think the one thing that I know is I have a hard time with athletes that are lazy. And I know how it, I got my success and it was hard work and I kind of I don't want to say judge people or write them off but if they're lazy like I get on them and if it's that that doesn't work it's kind of like what you said kind of just push them aside and be like all right get on some get on someone else and realize that not everyone has that hard work and I didn't have it at a young I mean I had it at a young age but I didn't have it as well as I have it now you realize you have to get to that point and they don't know hard work. They think they're doing is hard work. You know what hard work is, and that's what you're trying to instill in them and getting them to you know, move at a good pace where this is how we work. And having other athletes in that session definitely makes pushes them and realizes this is the way we do things here. Like we don't sit in between sets. Like we're moving constantly. You have your next exercise, and it's just staying on top of them. But that's definitely one of my weaknesses is that I don't say a judge, but I definitely um, want people to work as hard as I do, and not everyone does. Yeah, that's a big piece in uh, in our development as coaches is uh, seeking disconfirming information where we want the negative feedback, and we don't see it as a reprimand. We don't see it as uh, you picking on me. It's That's where the best op- opportunity for growth is. Absolutely. And so we kind of share that. We try and create that that, tri- that type of culture in our, in our, in our own gyms. Um, Bobby, so having dealt with all of these injuries and you have girls coming in, you know, with a bunch of knee stuff, ankle stuff, back stuff, how do you go about coaching failure and, and dealing with failure in your own personal life? Yeah. Um, I just always positive energy and knowing like every, like someone has it worse. Like no matter what you're going through, someone has gone through it and succeeded and came out the other side even better and stronger and probably having that first ACL injury like that changed me that made me realize that you know some athletes never play their sport again and this is not that bad I'll get through this and I became a better athlete became a better person and it's just anything that you're facing someone has done it and came out stronger from it so it's just battling and knowing that it's going to get better so positive energy always wins nice how'd you um How'd you get involved with Athletes Acceleration? Um, well, Adam and I, he just, uh, I probably was like year three when we're like, you know, we have something here. Like we have a system and it was down and we're like, let's, we need to make a splash. What yeah. do we need to do? And we're like, all right, let's make a DVD. So we shot it on our own dime. We shot it at, you know, during the day and it took it was a ton of work, a lot more work than we thought it was going to be. Yeah. And then when we were done with it, we had to finish product, but we're like, how do we get it out there? So we started to, you know, talk to more people in the industry, started to reach out. And a lot of people said, no, like, they're like, nah, jump. No, there's all that stuff out there. And then we got a connection through to Pat and Pat's like, yeah, let me take a look at it. And we took a look at it. And he's like, let's go. We'll get this going. That's and awesome. just from like, going to conferences, meeting people, talking to people, seeing what is out there. And that got us started, got our foot in the door, and then we've made two more DVDs since, and we've been doing the summit for three years now. 
That's crazy. That's awesome. Congrats. Um, Thank you. So the next kind of set of questions are fire round questions. Uh, they're a yeah. little l- less serious. Um, you can go ahead and answer one word, whatever comes to mind, um, okay. just for fun. On a scale one to ten, how weird are you? So ten being like I'm really weird. Or really like weird. Ten's weird. Yeah, ten's weird. Yeah, I'm gonna probably go twelve. Nice. You know? and I am a weird. <laughs> strange individual and it's because you're judging normal people like the daily life the nine to fivers that wear a shirt and tie or dress up and it's like no i i knew like that wasn't going to be for me yeah and you want to be different like you want to be i mean you want to fit in general no doubt but then it's like you want to make sure like that people know like something's wrong with me like they know like i'm different and it's okay to be weird it's all right as long as it's good weird i my mom always told me how did you go about uh, – you brought up your mom. How did you go about educating your parents on this career path that you wanted to take and not maybe do the traditional – Yeah. Path? Well, I was fortunate where I trained at a kind of sports facility when I was in high school. So like my junior year, I was – my parents were paying for me to go to a facility, you know, not like mine but similar to it where I was learning the Olympic lifts, learning how to run and learning, you know um, – so they knew, like, and they knew how much I loved it and how passionate I was for it right there and then. And my dad, you know, is an entrepreneur. He owns his own business as an electrician where it's Smith & Son, and I'm the only son. So obviously he wanted me to take over the business. And it was probably my sophomore year in high school where it was the summer, and he put me in an attic, and we're just pulling wires. And I was just, like, driving home with him. And I'm like, Dad, I am not doing this the rest of my life. And it was, like, probably that point where I was like, I better get my academics straight, so I'm going to college. Yeah. And it's like, I always look back at that story and I'm like, were you trying to teach me a lesson there? <laughs> you know, where yeah. it's like, you know, do something better. And I always, like, my dad, he's 63, doesn't have anyone. He's a one-man show and he's a beast and he just works nonstop. And it's like, that's what instilled me, you know, from his work ethic. And There's someone right there. Little Lucas is watching you, Juan. <laughs> It yeah. is, man. They, they, they're sponges. They see everything, you know. It's like the one day I'm having to, you know, come in and I get up early and my dog's not going outside. I'm like, Lucy, outside. I get coaching voice. Next thing you know, my son's like, Lucy, outside. I was like, oh, geez. My wife looks at me. I'm like, see? You see? And I'm like, man, they see everything. Yeah, they're sponges. They do. Uh, what's your favorite word? Um, favorite word? Probably boom. Followed up, followed up, followed up by what's your favorite curse word? Curse word. Probably I'm going to, I call interns a lot pricks. So that's like a worthless asshole that someone (laughs) brought up to me. I didn't realize it. It meant it was that bad. But I was just like, these fucking pricks, man. They don't get it. They don't get it. (laughs) like coach, you realize prick means you're a worthless asshole. And I was like, yeah, I don't really mean prick like that, but you're a prick. You know? (laughs) What sound or noise do you like? Uh, I have this whistle, like. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Followed by yeah. this one. Yeah, get the, <laughs> that's an international sign for coach up. So it's like, zip it up and bring it in. Nice. And, like it's just get your own style. Like my one coach does this with the shoulders, pulls the shoulders back, and like it's just getting everyone to come in because you have a group of sixteen. House music's blasting. Yeah. You're gonna get your voice fast if you don't, you know, come up with a way to get everyone's attention. Yep. What profession other than your own would you give a shot and not a teacher either? Would I give a shot? Like what I want? If if, no? if the gym shut down, you can't do uh, training anymore. I would probably just be a uh, you know a sports coach, probably like football, like probably go back, you know, like become a coach because it's just that's what's instilled in you. You see, and it's like you're addicted to it, like you're addicted to getting athletes better and seeing their success and realizing man they come in that they've never trained before and like i'm gonna get you so much better and like getting them to you see that and you see them build that confidence and it's contagious how exciting is it when you get a terrible mover i get so excited i'm like yo 
We're going to yeah. take over the world. Like, you have no idea. You move so like, bad. One kid just started. He's 6'10". He's a junior. And he's nasty at basketball. And he's weak as piss and can't move. <laughs> weak as <laughs> And that's being nice, saying he's weak as piss. And yeah. it's just like, man, I'm going to get you so much better. Like, he couldn't even do a bodyweight split squat when he came in. It just... Boom, he had no eccentric strength. Boom. And it's like, that just gets me going. Like, that's like, man, I'm going to make you so much better. You don't realize that. And that's that's what the, drove me to, like, females is because they've never lifted before. And it's like you get a female stronger, she ultimately dominates on the field. Like, she changes. I get faster. And I just start running past people. Yeah. What's your favorite app on your phone? Favorite app? Uh, i probably go to Instagram a lot. So, does that count? That counts. So right. That's yeah, Ronnie's Instagram, favorite definitely. also. That's a similar answer to Ronnie's. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tim? Yeah, you're right. I, I post way too much. People still watch, though. So, I just That's keep posting. Let's go. Dude. Yeah. Um, last little outro. Um, projects that you're currently working on. Uh, there's obviously the DVD. I don't know if you're expanding right. on that. Yeah, we uh, just, you know, launched that probably a month ago. So that was a lot of work that we just, you know, finally rest our hat up, finished it. It was great to get that done. Um, so that went really well for the first week, and it's just keeping that going. Now we have three other summits that we're going to be presenting at. Uh, we got next weekend at Mike Boyle's facility, which is awesome. That's the first time we're doing that there. And that's really exciting because we definitely model our facility around his. And, you know, Adam's wife coached there, worked there, trained there. So um, we definitely, you know, I would say steal a lot of Mike Boyle's philosophies and the way he approaches things. So that's definitely going to be an honor to speak at that stage. Then we host one in May, and then we go uh, to Will's facility in Indiana in June. So uh, we got these summits going around, which are great. I mean, Pat did even a better job bringing more, uh, you know, big-time presenters in, not just the normal crew. And uh, it's really exciting so far. The first one went really well. Yeah, the roster for those for those summits, man, it's it's like the who's who of strength and conditioning. It's like yeah. high-end coaches. I know. Bringing Ron McKeefrey, Dan Path for the California, that was awesome. Dude, yeah. And um, I mean, regulars, Lee Taft, Ghost, Will, Adam. like Bob Smith, you know, like yeah. on and on. So uh, that kind of takes care of the next one, which was what are you doing one month from now? You're going to be doing uh, more summits, more presentations. But what about five years from now? Five years from now, where do you see yourself? I probably see myself with another facility, and then I see myself um, going out and speaking more and getting the RIP system into other facilities and getting you know that training system and teaching more coaches how to do things the way we do them and obviously we feel like we're doing it the right way and it's getting that information and knowledge out there that make them better athletes not just better lifters make them more athletic they'll be better at any sport they do yeah um where can people follow you and maybe some some things you want to market put put yeah. out i mean i got ripped at my uh you know gym on instagram coach bobby smith on instagram facebook's that's you know the same bobby smith and then uh, reach your potential training. And we're just in the process of updating our, our, I mean, updating our website. So that should launch in a couple of weeks. That's uh, igotripped.com. So uh, all exciting stuff happening. You know, I'm always on Athletes Acceleration where they can get great information and educational information from there, which Pat and uh, his crew does a great job. Boom. And Perfect. You guys just released the, the complete warm-up uh, program? Yes. Yeah, that, that's really exciting because why I wanted to get that out there was to instill a system and show everyone our exercise pool so they can instill and teach, you know, now they can pick and choose what the categories. So it's like, say we have our single leg push or our hip mobility. Well, now you have a group of exercises to choose from and you can put your own flavor in for yourself. So it's not like this is the way we do it. This is the way you have to do it. It's like here's the template for the system. Now fill in what's going to be best for you. And also, too, now it's making the changes that you see that we do things. Maybe you can put your flavor and taste on it as well, too. But the biggest thing why I wanted to get it out there was I feel like people rush the process way too much. And they see what we're doing for our phase one and how easy it is. 
But these is this is what the athletes need. Like we have 12 weeks with them. We're not rushing this process. Like we're starting off with an isometric split squat, getting them into you know a 90-90 position, get the knee underneath the hip, hold that there. All right, go to the counterbalance. All right, go to a reverse lunge. All right, go to an alternating reverse lunge with a overhead reach. And it's like, could the athletes do the reverse lunge day one coming in? Yeah, they probably could do it, but it's not going to be done properly. It's not going to be done well, and it's going to be sloppy. So it's like, let me take this time to instill and teach these athletes proper fundamental movement patterns. Yeah. Well, Coach, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, Absolutely, man. Take time appreciate out of your day. Thank you. I appreciate you know approaching me after the conference and all the kind words and. I love to help out and try to, you know, empower as many people as I can. Dude, thank you for crushing it on the on the female front. Uh, I, that's a big front, and Ronnie is also really trying to get strength training to to females. I think that's the the group that gets empowered the most, which is awesome. Um, I have a younger sister; she's about to be fifteen. She's a competitive swimmer, and I'm I'm excited for for her journey and the things that you learn. Uh, especially as a young woman into the world that we live in nowadays. Um, so thank you again. Um, everyone else yeah. out there. Yeah, the, the, the whole training the female athlete thing, is there, there is a little bit of stigma there still, but you know what? I can pull up your, your gym's account and show them the list and, and just show the, uh, the number of athletes that you guys are training female athletes. And then it, it, it's it's showing that it's, it is a reality. It is good for female athletes to train, and it's not going to – create these myths that people or that girls believe so right it's like kind of scaring them straight like we had this new team in yesterday and it's like ladies i don't know if you realize this but just because you're a female you're nine times higher risk of tearing your acl than a male and it's like your hips are wider your posterior chain your glutes and hamstrings are weaker so you don't get down in the proper positions and it's like walk past my wife's facility you're going to see five or six females in there that tore their acl and it's like that's what i want to hopefully prevent for you so it's you almost got to scare them straight. Yeah. It works, right? It does. <laughs> That's it. Well, everyone out there listening, make sure to subscribe on iTunes. I was able to publish on Google Play and Spotify. Please leave us a review and tag us on social media. Don't forget to follow the blog. Ronnie works very hard on a daily blog. We got you Ronnie? Yeah, he stays up there. He's got videos on there. You got to check him out. Good stuff. Right. Um, also, the Deuce Gym blogs for questions, comments, concerns, or features. Email us at radio at deuceathletics.com. Follow us on social media, Strongest on the Field Radio, Deuce Athletics, Deuce Gym, Ronnie Lopez, mine. That's all I got. Show me, coach. <laughs>